and welcome back to Trennis Magnus, Jab's Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and as Scott Gardner might say, I've got a few things to say about Superman. Basically, kiddies, what I've noticed over the course of the past couple of years, but really I would say maybe the last two years in particular, what I've noticed is... Look, I'm going to try to phrase this as something other than a rant, because it's really not supposed to be a rant, all right? It's not supposed to be about choosing sides, which one's better. I don't mean it like that. But I have noticed something that uh, in the last, like I say, year or two, that has me a little, not concerned, because there's no way to say that without sounding like a pretentious douchebag, but has me a little bit um, on edge, maybe is the best way to say it. I don't know. There's a word that I'm looking for, but I can't really think of it. I don't feel like sitting here for a couple of minutes while I figure it out. But uh, yeah, that's basically it, right? So, concern, whatever. On edge, however you want to put it. But basically, right around the time that the Supergirl season premiere that debuted Tyler... I, th- I think his name, I think his last name is pronounced Hoakland. So, if I'm wrong, well, let me know. But I, I'm going to pursue uh, proceed on the assumption that... This guy's last name is supposed to be pronounced Hopeland. So, basically, when Tyler Hopeland made his debut on Supergirl, the TV show Supergirl, there was a pretty big outpouring of adoration and affection for this portrayal of Superman, right? Uh, Basically, it, it maybe can be most easily distilled down to this is better than Henry Cavill's Superman, right? And the, the phrase that I noticed popping up probably the most often was traditional Superman, right? Basically, Tyler Hoechlin was playing traditional Superman. And anyway, so that's just something that I noticed. And this is one of those things that I thought would pass after a little while. And it never passed. It's, as far as I can tell, still going. Because just earlier today, I saw another Facebook post lamenting the fact that we can't have a Superman show starring Tyler Hoechlin, right? So, I wanted to use this as an opportunity to explain how to write Superman in live action, right? And the point of this is not to say that anybody's wrong, or for that matter, that anybody's right. It's basically just explaining what the writing process is, how it works, and why it is that at least some quarters of the fan base have taken more kindly to Tyler Hoechlin than they have, say, Henry Cavill, right? And basically, guys, what it comes down to is this. Screenwriting 101 says that when you write for feature film, your protagonist must encounter conflict, right? And then he finds a way to overcome conflict. And basically, there are three there are three steps that a character is supposed to undergo. There is there is a thesis, and this is the protagonist's uh, day-to-day life. This is his status quo, his norm. The protagonist will encounter antithesis, which is the complete opposite of his day-to-day life, his established norms, his status quo. And then there's synthesis. This is when the protagonist takes thesis and antithesis, <clears throat> combines them together, and the act of doing so is typically how he wins the day, all right? A good example of what I'm talking about is actually Back to the Future, right? If you look at Marty McFly's life at the beginning of Back to the Future, 
it's not exactly peaches and cream, but at the same time, he is relatively happy with, with his life, right? There are certain things he would change if he could, but by and large, he's doing all right. Not great. He's doing all right. He has some victories and he has some setbacks, right? But what's established fairly early on is that Marty McFly doesn't believe that he has the ability to change his own life. That's thesis. Marty McFly encounters antithesis whenever he gets thrown back in time exactly 30 years and he finds himself stuck in the 1950s. And this is not what he wants. This is completely turning his life upside down. And he has basically to find a way to deal with all of this. Now, Marty McFly, his key moment of synthesis, he has a few, but probably the most recognizable is when he plays the, the uh, uh, he plays rhythm guitar at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. And that's what allows his parents to to finally, truly fall in love with one another, right? Marty's taking thesis, his status quo as uh, a musician. He's combining it with antithesis, which is being stuck in the 1950s. And he's using that, which is synthesis, to basically create a, a new and better reality. That's what he did. Another example is whenever he, he tells... Uh, 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 Doc Brown about the letter that he wrote, right? At the beginning of the movie, Marty did not believe that he had the ability to change his life in any kind of way for the better. He watched Doc Brown get shot to death. And so, and, and that's thesis. Uh, and so antithesis is his seeming inability to warn Doc Brown about his impending fate. And so synthesis comes when Marty warns Doc Brown in the 50s about the terrorist attack in the 80s. That's synthesis, okay? So that's maybe not the best example, but it was the first one that just sprung to mind. And as most of you know, I just I usually just pants my way through podcasts and just kind of hope that covers it. So it's not like I'm working off notes or anything, but hopefully that'll serve as a good example. You have thesis, you have antithesis, then you have synthesis, right? When you write for feature film, that's what you need to do with your protagonist. And by and large, I would find that, or rather, I would say that that's, that's largely what we see. Whether you love Snyder's Superman movies or whether you hate them, that is largely what happens in, in uh, Snyder's Superman movies. And I've talked at great length about those. There's no, there's no real need for me to uh, relitigate. Uh, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman here. If you're interested in listening to me and others talk about that, guys, I've released uh, three episodes about Man of Steel, three episodes about Batman v Superman. Track them down. But anyway, long story short, that's basically what we're seeing in Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, right? And not to go into laborious detail, but just take Batman v Superman, for example. Superman is written as his, I would say, his normal comic book self, right? It, he is his usual aspirational ideal, right? And the struggle that he has in Batman v Superman is that he's this noble, virtuous hero, but it's like there are parts of the world, you know, parts of the public that just don't seem to recognize that. And so the struggle is that that, that he experiences for a lot of the movie is 
you know, proving himself to be a hero. And the moment of synthesis in that movie comes whenever he not only wipes out uh, the bad guy, but he sacrifices his own life in the process. And that was the, the, the catalyst for the world to recognize, no, we had, or those that at least that didn't believe um, in, uh, believe that Superman was a hero. This was their moment to say, okay, well, we had this guy all wrong. And so, well, and at that point he's dead. So, you know, whatever. But in the end, they finally came around, right? That's synthesis in Batman v Superman, at least for Superman's participation. Now, different characters undergo thesis, antithesis, and synthesis uh, throughout the throughout the runtime of Batman v Superman. I'm not really too interested in getting into that here, except to say that it does happen, right? And you hear all the time that uh, people, you know, bitch and complain. Well, you know, Superman is just so hard to write. You know, it's just it's so hard to write Superman. You know, and fucking blah blah blah. And I know that that's an upsetting uh, sort of trope for or cliche almost uh, for for some Superman fans. But guys, you need to understand. You know, there is a germ of truth to that. You know, Captain America. He's got to be an amazingly interesting character to write because here's a guy who has. I would say, broadly, the same general worldview as Superman, but there are limits to what Captain America can and cannot achieve, right? Uh, just, yeah, he, he may have the super soldier serum and all that fun stuff, but guys, at the end of the day, he's one man. He cannot change the world. That's one of the things that makes Captain uh, America, I would imagine, a very interesting and probably very fun character to write, especially for feature film, right? And I guess to kind of maybe present Captain America's sort of equal opposite. You've got Sentry. Those of you who remember Sentry, you know, um, what's his name? Bob Reynolds? Whatever. Sentry from the New Avengers. This is a guy that has all the power in the world, but he doesn't necessarily have the stability to, to act upon all of that. And so here again, has got to be a very interesting character to write because he's a guy who can achieve virtually anything that he sets out to do but he doesn't necessarily have the stability or the self-confidence or whatever to or mental health to do that and so he's a very interesting character to write because anytime he does something uh, virtuous or noble or heroic that's not necessarily everyday life for him that's a big deal for the century you know and so so on and so on when you get to Superman though here's a guy that has the highest aspirations and ideals, which is fun to write by itself. And he's also got the power to act upon it, which is fun to write all by itself. But when you put them together, what you have is a recipe for something that's very difficult to write. Not from the stand, or at least not necessarily from the standpoint of, you know, how do you challenge this guy? Because, I mean, guys, Superman is only as physically powerful as the writers allow him to be, right? And so if his invulnerability is going to protect him from a nuclear missile, then it'll protect him from a nuclear missile. But if the writer decides, you know what, Superman may be otherwise indestructible, but even he is vulnerable to nuclear weapons, then hey, guess what? Superman's now vulnerable to nuclear weapons, you know? I mean, he's only as powerful as the writers want him to be, you know? And so, but nevertheless, he does have to have a, a, a lot of raw firepower. And he also has, he also must have the worldview of wanting to save people and make the world a better place. 
And so because of that, you know, I can kind of understand where writers are coming from when they say that this is a this is kind of a bitch of a character to write, you know? I'm not saying that that I agree with them, at least not completely, but I do understand where they're coming from on that, right? And so if you're going to write a Superman movie, it's not necessarily an easy challenge to do, right? And so that's one of the reasons why I'm so impressed with uh, Snyder's or not his, all of his Superman work, but uh, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, because this is basically the character that I've read in comics for decades on the big screen, right? This is who the guy is. Now, he lives in a world that hasn't fully accepted him just yet, but personality-wise, character-wise, this is Superman from the comics, y'all. I mean, this is, this is the guy. Here he is. Now, Snyder has told stories that obviously people have found... I would say very divisive, all right? And so along comes Tyler Hoechlin's uh, guest appearances on Superman, and so people have very happily and very joyfully taken Tyler Hoechlin into their hearts. This is Superman the way I've always wanted him to be, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, guys, I understand that you found something that you like, and believe me, I would be the last person to want to take that away from any of you, you know? Because, guys, when you come right down to it, there are so few things in this horrible, wretched world to love and enjoy and cherish, and it's kind of a colossal prick thing to do, to want to take that away from somebody, so I I would never do that to you. But what I do want you to understand is that Superman as lead character in a feature film has got to be written a certain way. There's just no two ways about that. Those challenges and those constraints don't exist whenever you write Superman as a, as basically a supporting character or guest character on a TV show, right? You can show Superman experiencing no struggles, no conflicts, no challenges, no nothing, and people will call that, you know, traditional Superman if they want, but Superman, as he's been shown in Supergirl as a TV show, he doesn't have to carry the same amount of dramatic weight that Superman as a as a feature film character does because when you come right down to it Superman as he's been shown on Supergirl will always be one thing and one thing only a supporting character this is Supergirl's show y'all uh, if somebody's going to save the day it needs to be Supergirl if somebody's going to find the the answer to the riddle it needs to be Supergirl if somebody's going to find a way Uh, to defeat the bad guy once and for all, it's going to be Supergirl. It has to be. And so because of that, you know, Superman, which is to say Tyler Hoechlin playing Superman, he can show up and, you know, smile and and basically hit all of the uh, Superman tropes and stuff that we all love so much without really being responsible for carrying as much of the dramatic weight of the story as Supergirl has to be. Because ultimately this is her show. She's the star of this show and she's got to be the one that's the most heroic, uh, the, the most intelligent, the most on the spot, on top of things, ever, you know, all that stuff. It's got to be that way. And I don't begrudge her that. I mean, I would say the same thing if this was a Superman show where Supergirl made a guest appearance. It's got to be Superman that uh, figures everything out, that saves the day, that's the big hotshot hero, you know, and all that stuff, you know. It's, but this is not Superman's show, and so he gets to show up. And uh, basically be traditional Superman. And that's okay. He doesn't have any 
dramatic requirements to the story beyond that point. And that's not bad writing. That's actually really good writing. It shows that whoever does the writing on Supergirl, they know enough about writing to realize that Supergirl's got to be the one that, that, that saves the day in pretty much every episode. Yeah, I guess every once in a while for novelty's sake, yeah, you can let somebody else save the day. But for the most part, saving the day is Supergirl's job on Supergirl. And that's okay. In fact, it's not just okay. It's actually perfect that way. And so, now, the minute I say all of this stuff, you guys might start thinking back to... Because if you, if you guys are anything like me, whenever you hear somebody run off at the mouth like this, you instantly start trying to find ways where they're wrong, right? And so right now, some of you may be thinking about other iterations of Superman in live action where these rules may or may not apply, right? So I've talked about Superman as the lead marquee character in a feature film bearing his name. And I've talked about Superman as a guest star on a TV show bearing somebody else's name. But what about Superman as the star of his own TV show? How does that stack up? Well, there are a couple of recent examples that we can that we can point back to, right? Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, is actually a very well-named show because this isn't just Superman's show or Clark's show. It's Clark's Clark is the star of the show. Lois is the star of the show. And then Superman, in most episodes, he plays more like a supporting type of role. You know, yeah, there are some costume-heavy episodes, you know, that are really deeply about, you know, Superman flying around doing this, that, and the other thing. But for the most part, Lois and Clark, as a show, is about how these two people met, fell in love with each other, and then married each other. That's, that's really the franchise of the show. So here again, even though Clark is the star of the show, he doesn't necessarily have to carry the same amount of dramatic weight as he would in a show where he's basically the star all by himself. It's a solo uh, Superman show. He doesn't have he doesn't have to do that as much. And so you know, yeah, what I said about uh, Superman on uh, you know as a as a protagonist, kind of sort of applies to this TV show, but it doesn't have to really, because ultimately Lois is the star of the show too. So it's okay if Lois saves the day or if Lois uh, figures out, you know, how to access the secret tunnel of doom in order to rescue all the prisoners. You know, I mean, it's okay for Superman or for Clark to not necessarily be the one that saves the day. It's okay for Lois to save the day sometimes, or for Clark to save the day sometimes, or for Superman to say, I mean, it's, it. This really is kind of like a team effort, you know, in ways that, well, a feature film really can't be. So there you go. What I've said about Superman as a protagonist doesn't completely apply to Lois and Clark. But like I say, doesn't really have to because he's not he's not the only star of that show. He's he's sharing he, he's sharing screen time with someone else. And that's fine. So what about Smallville? Well, I'm glad you asked. Basically, Smallville and I don't know why it took people so long to figure this out, considering how upfront and honest the showrunners were about this. But Smallville is basically about how this confused, mixed-up farm kid goes from being a confused, mixed-up farm kid and becoming Superman, the greatest 
superhero the world has ever or will ever see. That's basically the franchise of Smallville. And so the usual rules of, uh, of screenwriting, they don't completely apply to Smallville. I mean, I would say that, you know, macroscopically they do, all right? There is something that needs to be fixed with Clark, and we see it, in, and we start seeing it at least in the pilot, right? Clark Kent, as we see him in Smallville's pilot, is nowhere near ready to become Superman. It's just that simple. And yet, we know that by the time credits roll for this uh, for the series finale, he will be Superman. And so, all the shit that happens in between, to varying degrees, is basically the story of how Clark Kent became Superman, right? And so, not necessarily every single episode is gonna is gonna follow from start to finish the the rules of screenwriting that I just outlined earlier because this isn't a feature film. This is a TV show. So. The TV series macroscopically has to follow that, but not necessarily each individual episode. And so the key issue with with Clark on Smallville is that there's got to be character development. And shit, doesn't even have to be just Clark's character development. It's just got to be somebody's character development. But at the end of the day, the show, just looking at it holistically, it's got to tell the story of how Clark Kent went from... Uh, small town farm boy to big city superhero, right? And on that basis, I would say that Smallville t- tells that story amazingly fucking well, you know? Amazingly well. And so the rules of screenwriting that I just said earlier in the show, which I don't really care to repeat, they do apply to Smallville as a whole, even if they don't necessarily apply to all 200 some odd episodes individually, right? So hopefully that all makes sense. So Smallville as a whole meets that standard. So anyway, as I say, the point of all of this is not to ruin anybody's good time or tell you you're wrong or take away something that you enjoy or anything like that. It's just to say that in the unlikely event that we get a a Superman TV show starring Tyler Hoechlin, guys, you really do need to keep your, your hopes and expectations in check because he's gonna be if there's ever a Tyler Hoechlin, uh, a Tyler Hoechlin Superman show, it's going to be written, I would say, probably very differently from Tyler Hoechlin as he's played Superman on Supergirl up to this point. So, I, like I say, I doubt we'll ever get a chance to find out about this for sure. But if he ever does get his own Superman show, guys, just remember, fair warning, I told you about this in advance. All right. So anyway. Again, I'm not trying to beat this to death, but again, I want you want you all to understand. I'm not. If you love Tyler Hoechlin on on uh, Supergirl, and this is your ideal Superman, it's never it's never been better than this, and it's never gonna be better than this. He's the greatest ever. You know what? Godspeed. I don't completely agree with you, but I I've seen a couple of episodes that have Tyler Hoechlin in them. He plays Superman. Like a motherfucker. I mean, this guy is really good. I enjoy his take on Superman. I think it's I think it's great. It's really enjoyable. Supergirl as as a whole is <laughs> let's just say it's not for me. But broadly, yeah, I do enjoy Tyler Hoechlin in the role. And you know what? I just might watch a Tyler Hoechlin Superman show. But he, I would go into it with the full awareness. He's going to be written very differently on his own Superman show than he than he has been on somebody else's Supergirl show. So you guys should be ready for that, too. But like I say, I doubt it's ever going to come to that. So anyway, 
So just wanted to throw all that out there to see what comes back to me. If you think I'm right or if you think I'm wrong, you just think I'm a friggin' moron, let me know. I want to actually, I'm going to actively solicit feedback in this case because I want you guys to tell me what you think. Send me an email. You can reach me at trentusmagnus at gmail.com. That's T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S at gmail.com. Just send me an email and just let me know what you think. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Just, I'm kind of interested to, to hear from you, so... Anyway, so I think that's pretty much it for me, uh, at least this time. So, bye, everybody. I will see you next time.